Good morning, Clinton United Methodist Church. This is Pastor Michael coming to you live and in person from the mezzanine. I'm glad to see you all here on this especially chilly morning. Hopefully the, the sun makes it a little bit warmer, um, and hopefully the temperature will pick up uh, in the right direction as we go. Uh, we have some announcements for you. I have one quick one. Um, I just want to uh, remind everyone that Fridays, um, that is my, my day off, my Sabbath. So if you call me on a Friday, um, I'm probably not going to answer the phone, but if you leave me a message um, and it's an emergency, I will get back to you right away. So um, if you, so please leave a message when you call me, um, especially on Fridays. Um, it's really important um, for me to honor that time for not only myself, but also for my family. So I appreciate um, uh, you all, uh, if you need me on that day, to just leave me a message and then I will get back to you uh, as we go. Um, and then I know Kim has an announcement he would like to make, so I'm going to hand it over to him. I think. Has anyone seen Kim? Okay, we'll come back to Kim in a few minutes. I'm going to pass it over. Pass it over to our liturgist. <laughs> Good morning. This is Nancy Miller. I have a few announcements. Um, the first one is, uh, dear members, I want to thank you so very much for the lovely tray of cookies at Christmas. Not only was it very tasty, but beautifully put together. Sincerely, Phyllis Ross. And the next one is from Nancy Martin. Those cookies were such a sweet surprise. Thank you for the thoughtfulness. Love the Christmas Eve service. I listened in the dark with candlelight. I sang with the carols. My dog gave me dirty looks. I don't have a very good voice. <laughs> Hugs from Nancy. The next one is uh, Mary Margaret Brooks would like to thank the people of Clinton United Methodist Church for their prayers and get well cards. I have a lot of faith in prayer and I thank all those prayers. I think all those prayers are helping my new knee replacement heal. Thank you for the love and kindness. And we have uh, Nancy Warren is turning 90 on February 22nd. Woohoo! She is doing well and would really like to hear from all of us. Wouldn't it be nice if we all sent her a card and just showered her with a bunch of cards? Her address is in your bulletin. So please, if you have the time and can do it, send her a birthday card. We still have positions available. We need a church historian, a membership secretary, and someone to take care of the lighted sign. If you are interested in either of these positions, please call or talk to Pastor Michael. Diana and Sheila would like to start up a sewing group at the church. If you are interested in getting to, together to sew and would like more information, please contact one of them. We will social distance to keep everyone safe. The building is still closed until further notice. Volunteers will be checking the messages and email regularly. 
in case of inclement weather, uh, cancellations will be announced on WLEN 103.9 FM and W4 Country 102.9 FM, our Facebook page and our new web page printed in your bulletin. The upcoming events and meetings are February 10th, the Finance Ad Board meeting at 6.30 p.m., February 11th, the Food Pantry, and that starts at 8 a.m. February 17th is Ash Wednesday. And uh, Pastor Michael has coffee conversation. Um, he, he will be holding an open Zoom meeting for anyone who wants to have some coffee and chat. The time is 1 p.m. until 2 p.m. every Monday, and any changes will be communicated as far in advance as possible. These chats are meant to be kind of like coffee hour and not for one-on-one -on -one sessions. So grab a cup of coffee or whatever your beverage of choice and, some, and come spend some time getting to know our pastor better. The link for the Zoom meeting will be published on our Facebook page and emailed out prior to the first meeting time. There's prayer workshops. Uh, Lent is coming up soon, and in place of a Bible or book study, Pastor Michael is going to be offering some prayer workshops at various times during the week. The schedule is as follows. Monday evenings from 8 p.m. until 9 p.m. via Zoom. Tuesday mornings at Stony Creek in person, limited number of people from 10 a.m. until 11 a.m. Tuesday mornings and afternoons from 11.30 a.m. and 12.30 p.m. via Zoom. Wednesday mornings at Clinton in person, and that also is limited number of people from 10 a.m. until 11 a.m. Wednesday mornings and afternoons from 11.30 a.m until 12.30 p.m. via Zoom. The workshops will begin Monday, February 22nd. And each week they will focus on and learn more about a different prayer style, resource, or practice. This will be an opportunity to share with each other about how we pray, why we pray, and so on. It is Pastor Michael's hope that some small group may even form over time from these workshops and offer more opportunities for spiritual growth and fellowship. The workshops will continue through Lent and depending on interest may continue beyond at a modified schedule. And lastly, in an increased in an effort to increase his availability for one-on-one -on -one conversations, Pastor Michael is blocking off time blocks during the week that people can schedule in advance or day of for a phone call, a Zoom call, or other means of virtual contact with Pastor Michael. This is not the only time you can contact Pastor Michael. If there is an emergency, please do not hesitate to contact him. Rather, this is a way for him to be more intentional about setting aside time to talk with people and help him keeping his time organized. Again, again you can always reach our pastor. Michael, anytime with any emergency or issue, 
but if you would like to speak with him about something that is not urgent, consider going to his website and click the blue schedule button. You can also call the church office and one of the office volunteers can help find a time that works as well. Please let pastor know if you have any questions. All right, and then do we have Kim back for his announcement? Yeah, I have a letter from my veteran who many of you here in the church have helped me support. It says, Dear uh, Clinton United Methodist Church, for all those who have helped support me and my family with donations of money, food, and presents, this is greatly appreciated. Without this support, I don't know if I could be able to support my family or give my children any kind of a Christmas. Your generosity is heartwarming. I would like to thank you with my deepest sincerity for all you have done for us, and I hope soon that I'll be able to come back to church and be able to thank you in person. Sign Jason, Nicole, Liam, and Lena. And for me, I would like to personally thank everyone in this church for your love and support for them, um, especially uh, Nancy Miller, uh, Mary Brooks, um, Phyllis, um, I know there's more, I can't think of them offhand, that have, uh, oh, uh, Randy Smith, that have donated money. I've used that to help pay some of their bills, mostly phone bill, and um, which has been very handy. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Now will you please call, uh, join me in the call to worship. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Make, Make known his deeds among, among the, the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell, Tell of all of his wonderful works. Glory in his holy name. Let, Let the, the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wonderful works he has done. His, his miracles and the judgments he uttered of offers offspring of his servant Abraham, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. The first hymn today is Oh, for a Thousand Tongues to Sing, found on page 57 of your hymnals. Can make the foul 
almost clean his blood availed for me he speaks endless thing to his voice new life and dead receive the mournful broken hearts rejoice the humble poor believe hear him ye deaf his praise ye dumb your loosened tongues employ ye blind before your savior comes and leap ye lame for joy in christ your head you then shall know shall feel your sins forgive and dissipate your heaven below and own that love is heaven please join me in the prayer for illumination spirit of life no, open your oh oh yes i'm sorry <laughs> the opening prayers and please join me in this. Holy God, we try to fix and fasten you, but you will not be stayed. You are love in motion, always breathing us into being, calling us to serve, sustaining us in the wilderness. Come to us as the morning breaks. Soften what has grown dry and brittle in our hearts until we worship with abandon. For we pray in the name of the Son you sent and through the Spirit that gives us life. Amen. And the next hymn is Thine Be the Glory, found on page 308 in your hymnals. Is the 
death hath won. If you would please join me now in our prayer for illumination. Spirit of life, we do not know how to pray as we ought. Meet us in words written, in words spoken. Intercede for us with sighs too deep for words until we shine with the hope that is hidden in our hearts. For we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. The first scripture reading is Joel 2, verses 28 through 32. God's spirit poured out. Then afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old man shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female slaves, in those days, I will pour out my spirit. I will show portents in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there shall be those who escape as the Lord has said, and among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls, the word of God for the people of God. And you say, Thanks be to God. The Apostle Paul promises that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. We trust that God will bring forth good from that which we offer today. It is our privilege to participate in the unfolding of God's grace in the world. Let us give with grateful and expectant hearts. If you would please join me in our doxology. One, receive these offerings as you receive our lives, gather our false starts and uncertain efforts, our generosity and our reluctance, enliven us with your breath and make your purposes known that our lives might show forth your glory. For we pray in the name of Jesus and by the power of your spirit. Amen. I'd like to invite all of our youth and children to head on in uh, for our, uh, our youth time. And then after that, you'll have uh, Sunday school. So come on in.
Okay, how's everybody doing this morning? So I want to talk to you this morning about time. Does anybody know what time it is? What time is it? Eleven twenty-two. I thought. Oh well, I have one too. Okay. Well, I think it's forty-five ten. Okay. Do you guys ever watch Bubble Guppies? Have you seen that uh, show before? Yeah. I always uh, love when they ask. Anybody know what time it is? It's lunchtime. It's lunch. It's. It's not lunchtime yet, but that just it's in the show. I'm so. Afraid. Okay, so when it comes to time, when we want to know what time it is, we look at our watch or maybe a phone or a clock on the wall, and that's how we tell time. But did you know that for God, God sees all time at once? That means God can see the past, the present, and the future all at the same time. How cool is that? I, it, I bet it is exasperating sometimes for God. But because of that, God knows what's going to happen, but that doesn't mean that God forces stuff to happen. Does that make sense? Because we have free will, which means we can make decisions, we can choose to make good choices or bad choices, but God knows what's going to happen before it ever happens, and God knows what's already happened. Okay? I know that's a big big thing to think about right now. But what I want you to think about for this next week, when you are with your friends or your family, is think about how you use your time. Are you using your time to be kind and loving to other people? Are you using your time to share God's good news with people? The more good things we can do with the time that God gives us, the happier it makes God and the better it makes the world. Okay? Does that sound pretty good? Yeah, how are you using your time right now? I'm trying to make this We're making Valentine's. Awesome. That is, that is a great way to spend your time. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So normally I'd have you guys help me with the Lord's Prayer, but we're going to do that later during communion, okay? Oh, well, but here's what I want you to do. What is it? I want you guys to, after I go back upstairs, to each say a quick prayer. You can do it together or you can do it quietly in your mind and just say something to God about how you're feeling, okay? okay can you do that? All right, you guys keep up the good work with the Valentines, um, and I have the light-up sucker still, and I can see if I can find the Tootsie Pops. Which would you rather have? Oh, we do have new ones, and look at these. How cool is that? Hold on, wait, hold on a second. What, what flavor is it? 
uh, cherry. I'll bring one up to him. Um, you guys can have one of each. I'm going to leave these here for you, okay? So you can have them whenever you're ready. Make sure you listen to Miss Linda um, for the stuff she's going to tell you about, okay? Um, excuse me, Daddy. Yes. Well, I don't think I'm, I don't think I really like those. That's okay. Can you bring? Can we bring one to D later? Oh, I know. I know. Okay. How about I get? How about I get a? How about I get one? How about I get two of these to D? Okay. And I get one of this to my brother. Okay. You hold on to those. Okay. All right. You guys have fun with your Sunday school class, okay? Listen to Miss Linda. Thank you both, or all three of you, our musicians this morning. That was beautiful. 
I'd like to ask you all now to join me in an attitude of prayer. Um, as you can see on our bulletin, we have some prayer requests, uh, continued prayers for Paula and Susan, uh, friends of Sheila who are both battling cancer. Uh, prayers for Lisa's family. Her youngest grandson has been diagnosed with spinal muscular atrophy, um, and they're in the process of getting him approved for a new type of gene therapy. So prayers for the approval and that, um, that it will be effective therapy for him. Uh, prayers for Jim Strickland, who's recovering from his knee surgery, um, that he'll continue to heal, and prayers of thanksgiving for Linda for all that she's doing to take care of him and help him get better. Uh, prayers requested for uh, Judy, uh, the Judy Crittenden, who's on Razor, Raisin Center Highway and her entire family. Um, prayers uh, for uh, Kim's family, his aunt Jeanette passed away, so prayers as they are, are mourning her uh, leaving. Uh, prayers for Kim's neighbor, Michael, who has a tumor on his liver and has been suffering from complications that um, are not allowing a procedure to be done to help fix that. Uh, we have prayers for uh, Lyndall Waddles, Richard Randolph's cousin who passed away from COVID, so prayers for that family as they are mourning. Um, prayers for Jim and Sandy Godbout, friends of Sheila. Um, their only child passed away at the end of January, so prayers for them in their mourning. Um, prayers for uh, Sandy's brother-in-law, uh, uh, Vinsa. I, I, I'm sorry, I'm probably not pronouncing that right. Um, but prayers for all of them as he has passed away in Florida, so prayers for their mourning. Um, also prayers for Sandy's grandson, Bill, who's serving in the Army and has contracted COVID, so not only prayers for his safety um, and his service in the Army, but prayers for his healing from COVID. Um, continued prayers for Sue Hartag, who is undergoing a new chemo. Um, we're praying for that success that she might be healed um, and not be in a lot of pain. We also have prayers for Craig Henry, who is needing healing mercies. He hurt his back. Um, and prayers for Noah Gibson, uh, Linda Waltz's grandson. He is having surgery on Monday. Um, Lord, we come before you this morning. You have heard the prayers that we have lifted aloud and you know the prayers that are in our hearts and our minds. We ask for healing from suffering for all of those who are in need, whether physically, emotionally, or mentally, whether mourning the loss of a loved one or fighting an illness or injury. God, we lift them into your healing hands and pray for your continued work through the doctors and nurses and surgeons and lab technicians and research scientists and psychologists and many others who are working to help heal your creation. We also lift up prayers of thanks for all of those who work so hard to help keep us safe in our world. We are thankful for the efforts and sacrifices of our uh, men and women serving in the military, our police and firefighters, our first responders, and so many more. God, we ask that you would Continue to guide them in all they say and they do. Guide them in their, their efforts. Keep them safe and strong. And God, for those who are far away from home, we pray that they may be able 
to return home soon, and we could begin to see an end to conflict in our world. We also lift up today our nation and every nation in the world. God, there is still so much going on between this pandemic, between political unrest. There is anger, confusion, conspiracy, hatred. There is still so much that we are still trying to make better, and we know that true peace can only come through you. But we ask that you would help us to see the truth in the world, and that truth is that we are all your children, and help us to see each other the way you see us, as your beloved children who are all worthy of being, of mercy and love and grace and life. Help us to start always from a place of love, that we might work alongside you towards peace in this world. All of this and everything we keep on our own hearts and minds, we lift to you today in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Sisters and brothers, God never forgets God's promises. God's covenant endures in each new generation. We are free to speak the truth about our lives because God's faithfulness embraces us as we examine our hearts. I invite you now to please join me in our prayer of confession. God of mystery, God of life, we imagine that we are capable judges of power and wisdom and goodness. We trust our own standards. We separate and categorize. We mark the performance of others. We fail to trust your power hidden in all things. We fail to watch for you, working out your purposes. Gracious God, hidden and manifest, transform our withered imaginations until we yield the judgments we trust to a love we cannot control. Amen. Please take a few moments now for silent prayer and confession. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? Beloved children of God, nothing we have done, nothing we will ever do is enough to separate us from the love of God made known in Jesus Christ. I invite you, if you are sitting along with someone in your vehicle, to turn to your neighbor and share these words of assurance. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. And if you are alone, I invite you to share those words with the next person you see whether today or tomorrow, remind them that we are forgiven. Amen. And now will you join me in the affirmation of faith from 1 Timothy 2, verses 5 and 6, and 1, verse 15, and 3, verse 16. There is one God, and there is one mediator, Christ Jesus, who came as a ransom for all, to whom we testify. This, this saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance, acceptance that, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, and was manifested in the flesh, vindicated in the spirit, 
seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed in throughout the world, taken up in glory. Great indeed is the mystery of the gospel. Amen. The second scripture reading today is John 13, verse 16 through 21. Very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but it is to fulfill the scripture. The one who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I tell you this now before it occurs, so that when it does occur, you may believe that I am he. Very truly, I tell you, whoever receives one whom I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. Jesus foretells his betrayal. After saying this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and declared, Very truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. The word of God for the people of God. And you say, Thanks be to God. Our next hymn is Blessed Assurance, found on page 369 in your hymnals.
Our third scripture reading for this morning comes from Romans 8, verses 29 through 30. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn within a large family. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. The word of God for the people of God. And you say, thanks Thanks be be to to God. God. If you would please join me again in an attitude of prayer. Holy God, we know that we need never doubt your unending and unfailing love. Even before we knew of your love, you already knew us. You have chosen us to be a part of your family, children of God. You chose us, you called us. And you sent your son to die for us so that we might be made new and free from sin. As you are always with us, there is nothing we need fear. And now may the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts together in this place be pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, this week, I'd like to try something a little bit different before we get to Lent. We're getting very close now. If you looked at the title in the bulletin, you might have an idea of what I'm kind of planning on here. Our denomination was founded on the Methodist movement started by Reverend John Wesley. And as such, Wesley preached many sermons over the course of his time working in God's ministry. As a way of not just honoring that history, but also to connect stronger with our Methodist heritage, and as a break from all the pandemic talk, I want to examine one of Wesley's sermons with you this morning. Now, in one of my classes in seminary, I was required to outline 50 of Wesley's sermons to help strengthen my understanding of Wesley's theology and perspective. And in doing so, I found a few that really stuck with me. In this process, I plan to tell you about what Wesley said and wrote, how it fits with our claimed beliefs, how it applies to our world today, And of course, continue to tie it back into scripture. I hope and think that these messages will be very enlightening to more of what our denomination was founded on in regard to theology and faith. And it is my intention to kind of sprinkle these what would Wesley say messages throughout the year um, in between our other sermon series and lectionary uh, times. So today, for our first what would Wesley say sermon, I have chosen a sermon uh, by Reverend Wesley titled, On Predestination. But before we get too far in, I'd like to better define predestination um, in theological terms. It's a word that some of you may know and some of you may not know. Predestination is the doctrine of some faiths that all of the events in our world have been willed by God, usually referring to the fate that we come to after we die. Another way of saying that is that predestination means that God has already decided who is going to be saved and go to heaven and who will not be saved and be doomed to hell or an eternal suffering. Predestination is based on the idea that it doesn't matter what an individual does or believes 
or claims in this life. God has already decided what is going to happen regardless of our actions. Predestination is usually associated with the teachings of St. Augustine of Hippo and Calvin, the latter of whose followers are known as Calvinists. Now, what is also important to know before we dive in too far is that in the very early days of the Methodist movement, Wesley's position on predestination became something of a hot-button topic. You see, his close friend and partner working in ministry was a man named George Whitefield, and he was a very staunch Calvinist. That means that Whitefield believed that salvation was only available to those who God had already chosen. Wesley, on the other hand, believed that God's gift of salvation was available to all people, but he also believed that people can reject God's gift of salvation. So with all that background information in hand, I'd like to give you a quick overview of Wesley's sermon. He starts off by talking about how the things that Paul talks about are through the wisdom given to him by Jesus and by God. But he also states that some of the things that Paul says can be hard to understand and that Peter addresses some of those things in the book of Romans. But even still, Wesley points out that not just the unlearned people, but also those who are the most learned and well-established in the truths of the gospel, continue to wrestle with these passages, so much so, as Wesley says, to their own destruction. So in regard to the passage we read earlier from Romans, Wesley says that it is being described in the passage, what it is is not a chain of causes and effects, but rather it's showing the method in which God works. To be more specific, Wesley says that it shows the order in which the several branches of salvation constantly follow each other. He then goes on to describe what he calls the whole work of God in the salvation of man. This includes God having the foreknowledge from the beginning of the world who would come to faith and who would not. But Wesley is very careful to point out that this foreknowledge is focusing on the manner of humanity. Wesley continues on to explain that God has this foreknowledge because God sees all time at once. He further offers the idea that just because God has knowledge of something does not mean necessarily that God is causing that specific thing to happen. He equates this with the idea that he himself knows that the sun shines, but the sun doesn't shine because of the fact that Wesley knows it will shine. The sun shines because it shines. Wesley's knowledge of its shining doesn't change anything. And this is important because he points out that even though God knows who will come to faith and who will not, humanity still has free will, including their choice of believing or not. God just happens to know what will happen in the end because God doesn't see time the way that we see time, passing day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute. Rather, God sees all time at once, past, present, and future. Now, this idea of free will is especially important to Wesley's argument about predestination because he points out that without free will, we couldn't be held accountable for what we think, what we do, or what we say. If we didn't have free will, we would not be capable of rewards or punishments 
of being morally good or bad, of having any accountability. And if humanity cannot be held accountable for any of its actions, well, then things get kind of problematic. But we'll come back to that in a moment. Wesley then goes on in his message to explain God's salvation for all who believe in him and in Jesus Christ. He reminds us that God knows all believers. God wills that they should be saved from sin. God justifies them, sanctifies them, and takes them on to glory. Now, in this sermon, Wesley does not address all of the problematic things with the idea of predestination. He does point out that even though God has the knowledge of who will become believers and who will not, it is not God who chooses who will become a believer and who will not. That still falls on humanity. God has this knowledge again because God sees all time at once. So God knows everything that has happened, that is happening, and that will happen. Now, if we go back to our scripture reading from Romans, I think we could see how someone might get the idea of predestination. After all, it does say in verse 29, and he decided in advance that they would be conformed to the image of his son. But this passage tells us much more about salvation. It talks about God knowing us in advance, just like Wesley mentioned about God seeing all time at once. And it talks about God calling humanity. But let's go back now to some of the problematic parts of this idea of predestination. If we look at the five-point Calvinism view on predestination, it tells us that Christ's death was only enough to atone for the sins of a select few people. Well, right there we have a problem in that we know what we read in John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. It doesn't say so that a few people will be saved, but that everyone who believes. It doesn't say that only a select group could be saved by Jesus, but that the whole world might be saved through him. And if we really believe those words, then how could just a few people be saved by Christ's suffering, death, and resurrection? Doesn't this tell us right here that everyone who believes will be saved and that it is God's intention to save the world through Jesus? There is another problematic reality with this concept of predestination, and it's a pretty big one in my mind. Predestination makes it out that only a select group of people will be saved. And that means that even if you are a believer, but you're not a part of that select group, you won't be saved. It also makes it out, depending on how you understand it, that in reality, humanity then does not have free will. Now, we talked about this a few moments ago. If we don't have free will, that means we can't be held accountable for what we think, what we say, and what we do. We can't be held accountable at any level, which means we can't be held accountable for our sins. And that's where another problem occurs. Because if we can't be held accountable for our sins, then what exactly did Jesus die for? If we don't have free will, if God has ordained everything that's going to happen and everything that we will do, then what do we need to be saved from? 
We cannot be punished for something we had no control over, and we are basically being forced to do. And if that is true, then Jesus died for nothing. That might be the saddest thing we could possibly imagine. Jesus suffering, dying, and resurrecting, and it meaning nothing. It holds no bearing whatsoever on anything. If we do not have free will, and there is just a set group of people who will be saved, regardless of their belief or not, because if we do not have free will, we cannot choose to believe, then what are we doing here? What is the purpose of our existence? What is the meaning of worship, prayer, and even more, love? In another sermon, Wesley essentially says that the idea of the sacrifice of Jesus being meaningless is one of the most depressing things he can imagine. And I completely agree with him on that. If we don't have free will, then there's really no sin. Or at the very least, we can't be held accountable for it because we didn't choose to do it which would then mean that God made us commit a sin. That makes even less sense. Now, I will admit that while I believe that those who claim a faith in God and grow in their faith will be saved, I don't think that's where it ends. I claim a faith in a loving God and in a God that wants to be in relationship with us. I believe that God reaches out to us in every way that God can reach out in order to help us come to faith to know the love and grace and mercy God offers. And even in our final moments, when we may be standing in judgment, I believe that even then God will still give us an opportunity to come to faith and accept salvation. And I believe that because I believe in a God of love, a God that sent his only son to suffer and die for the sins of the world so that the world might be saved from eternal death and suffering. And people... The reality is that we have free will. Yes, there may be moments in our lives where we step back and think, why did I do that? I tend to have that problem when I walk into rooms sometimes. Why did I come in here? But we have free will. We have the ability to choose between right and wrong, between love and hate. God has blessed us with his love and mercy and grace. We have the ability to choose to accept those gifts or not. Because if we didn't, well, for me, the alternative is unthinkable. I just cannot accept that Jesus died for nothing. The idea of predestination limits God's power. It limits God's grace. And most importantly, it limits God's love. And at least for me, God is all-powerful and is a God of love and grace. I hope that you know God in this way, too. And that for each of you, Jesus' death was not something in vain. Amen. If you would please turn to pages 15 and 16 in your hymnals and have uh, your elements for communion ready as we prepare to celebrate Holy Communion.
<clears throat> the Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through the prophets. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, 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 holy Lord, Lord, God of power, power and might, heaven, heaven and earth are full of your glory. glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. Your spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to announce the time had come when you would save your people. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, and ate with sinners. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. When the Lord Jesus ascended, he promised to be with us always in the power of your word and Holy Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and juice. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world, the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. And now, the confidence of children of God, let us pray the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Because we are many, there is one loaf. As one body, we all partake of that one loaf. The bread which we break is a sharing in the body of Christ. And the cup over which we give thanks is a sharing in the blood of Christ. In the United Methodist Church, we practice open communion. And what that means for us is that 
when we celebrate the great Thanksgiving, it is open to everyone. It doesn't matter your age, your race, your ethnicity, your sexual orientation. If you're a member of this church or our denomination, the table belongs to Jesus Christ, and he has invited everyone to come and partake. All he asks is that you have an open heart because he sees us all as children of God. He doesn't see us split up into the boxes and categories that we try and divide ourselves into. Now, this morning, there are are two ways you can uh, receive your Jesus, your elements. Um, You can take your bread and dip it in your juice and receive them together. That's what we call intinction. Or you can receive the bread first and then the juice. Either way is completely acceptable. They both have the same uh, meaning and importance and are just as valid in the eyes of God, in the eyes of the church. Um, So brothers and sisters, beloved children of God, the body and blood of Christ given for you, please receive your elements. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. If you would turn to hymn number 399 in your hymnals, Take My Life and Let It Be.
Beloved children of God, go as seed and yeast, willing to lose your life for the larger purposes of God. Go as fisher folk and treasure seekers, pouring out your days in search of hidden grace. May God, who searches the heart, Jesus, whose love overcomes all division, and the spirit which helps us in our weakness, continue to lead you into life, that you may serve with abandon and joy. Amen. <laughs>